0: good day i'm mark sylvester your host for this hacking the red circle conversation where we talk to people in the tedx world you'll want to know better the show is designed to learn what it takes to produce organize promote and create a world-class event if you're an experienced organizer you'll get some great tips Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. This is your first time to the show. Welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I am I am excited. You know, we we talked to organizers on this show and I had a conversation with Greg at TEDx Fargo. You may have listened to that episode and he talked about the amount of energy they put into the speaker experience. And I said, "Hey Greg, I want to talk to one of your speakers." And he said, "The guy." Now, this is Ted, this is out of 150 guys. He you picked your name. I'd like you all to meet Ted Dintersmith, who is an education change agent. And I, I got to think that the TEDx Fargo talk that you gave kind of did it start something new for you, or did it add accelerant to something you wanted to
1: do? I, I'd say it was more in the acceleration category. I'd been working on the issue of uh, you know the collision of innovation with school. Um, so that's my topic that I really, um, focus on every single day of my life. Yeah. Uh, but I came to TEDx Fargo, and it really opened up my eyes to, you know, what communities can do when they work together and how much energy and creativity there are in places that honestly, a lot of people in, you know, Cambridge, Massachusetts or Georgetown in Washington, DC or Palo Alto. But I don't think they fully appreciate what's going on across the country mm. in terms of, Mm. of engagement and and thinking outside the box. And so for me, it was really more transformational in that respect.
0: What what was your first taste of TED?
1: You know, limited, actually. I mean, I'd watched a bunch online. Um, I've um, made repeated suggestions to them for how to to use those talks to uh, foster more community engagement. Um, And then um, I'd never really been to one. And then, honestly, I was on the phone with Greg, about something totally different. I was planning to go to North Dakota anyway to meet with some people in education. Right. And in the middle of the call, he got somebody that canceled for for the 2015 TEDx event. Oh. And so he asked me, any chance you could be here in six days and oh, give a no. talk? Oh, no. Six days? So that's how much days. lead time I have. Yeah, six days lead time.
0: Oh, my. And, and okay, so I went, we're going to get into all that, but the six days lead time. So I thought it would be interesting to... For because the person who's listening to the show is a TEDx organizer, or they're a TEDx team member, or they're someone who loves behind the scenes stuff, right? So yeah. I want to I want to kind of go that way. So you, you had six days. That's that's epic. Um So f- let's start on that. You said yes.
1: Then what happened? Yeah, I said yes, and then I've got six days to pull together a talk change schedule get to fargo and do it and i think most people would say oh my gosh you can't give a talk with 10 days notice or with six days notice but but actually worked in my favor i think because it's not over rehearsed it's it's i think i'm really proud of the talk i gave and, and i encourage people to watch it but um you know well when nine months later i was in vancouver for the ted event in 2016 so for the big ted And I'm actually more of a fan of TEDx than I am of TED. Why is that? You know, I felt that when I was at the TED event that the talks were way too rehearsed. Uh, I felt like you you just felt like this was at the back end of 500 practice trials. Hmm. And and I I didn't sense any real spontaneity. And, you know, without some level of naturalness, some level of, of... being able to deviate a bit from script, I think speakers can go, can go cold. And, uh, you know, so when I was at Ted in Vancouver, not to diss on them cause they're doing amazing things, right, but, right. Sure. But I felt like everybody had said this a million times. And the other thing was, it was, it was a, an environment where I felt less connected to people. I mean, everybody had been there a million times. They all knew each other. I was the first time person there. And, you know, whereas at TEDx Fargo, I felt like from almost everybody there, maybe it was an early, maybe it was even their first experience with a TED event. And you know, and and Greg did a great job of connecting me with people. Uh, we had a dinner. Um, you know, I had a meeting with some people that were plugged into the education system there, and I just sort of like, wow, it was just a really relaxed, fun environment with some great talks. That you know, I I think the education talks at TEDx Fargo my year were better than the education talks at Ted Vancouver a year later.
0: It's interesting that you, so, so people, if you're a speaker and you're, this is like really important stuff because I think of it as high stakes communications, right? You step onto that red circle and, you know, someone's burned a lot of calories for you to get there. And in most cases they've spent six weeks or six months, uh, you know, preparing, writing, writing, practicing rehearsing all of that but once you step onto the stage that human connection that you need to make with the audience that you said spontaneity that all of that stuff that there's that's the magic dust that's the we call it the x factor and whether that happens on a TEDx stage or it happens on the main stage that's boy that one's that's really tough it's tough to train for it's tough to uh, coach for so as speaker coaches because all of us as organizers part of what we do is is we try to coach that and it's it's tough. How did what did what was it that uh, did you have a coach from did Greg or any of the people coach or was it just too late you
1: were on your own? Oh, I was on my own. But even <laughs> if they had offered for me to have a coach, I probably would have turned it down and. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I do, maybe your listeners will be listening to me and say, oh my God, this guy thinks he's a decent public speaker. He couldn't be more wrong. Um, and I apologize or watch my TEDx talk and say, oh, I just wish that guy had had a coach. It would have been a lot better. Um, but even if, even if practically I could have, um, you know, I, I've done a fair amount of public speaking. And so I didn't feel like I needed somebody for that specific, you know, 12 minutes on a stage. Um, you know, I, not that that isn't a really good strategy for some people and perhaps was would have been a better strategy for me, but I, even if he had given me six months' notice, I would have said, uh, I'm probably fine just, you know, because I got my own way. I mean, everybody has their own approach, right? I think that's what's so interesting. Right. And so when you, when you run it through a coaching process, everybody seems similar. And when you kind of trust people to invent and create their own approach, some will pick coaches, some won't, but they will end up being quite different. And so for me... I just go for a lot of twelve minute walks. You know, what I mean it's like oh. it sounds crazy, but I just, you know, if you were if you were in Fargo the day before the talk, I was walking up and down the main street there, just sort of thinking through what I wanted to say, what order, making sure I wasn't flailing around trying to find the right word. But when I got on the stage, you know, I didn't know exactly what I was gonna say. This was not something I wrote out in advance. Uh there was no written version of what I said. And uh but I sort of felt pretty comfortable with the general flow. Felt like I wasn't going to be kind of freezing up and saying, "Oh my gosh, what comes next?" And uh, and so I felt like you know I was able to say what I wanted to say. But then that was one thing. I mean, you know, but these talks nobody gives these talks in isolation. Right. We all have reasons. We we have just we all have reasons for what we want to say and what impact we wanted to have. And I think that's where what was special about the TEDx Fargo event kicked in because you know I in that talk said, it was the first time I said this to anybody, but I said in the talk, I was going to go to all 50 states the coming school year. You know, so I'm on record now in a (laughs) TEDx talk to to committing to do something that most people would view as insane, which is in a nine month period, go to every single state in the country. And, um, but I did that. But what was so gratifying, what was so energizing is that after my talk, a whole set of people came up to me and said, we'll help, we want you to hear soon. We Mm -hmm. want you in Fargo. We want Fargo to be one of your first stops, and we'll help pull something together. And that was, for me, a high-impact set of conversations. When when I could say I'm going to do something maybe crazy, maybe bold, maybe audacious, maybe who knows what, and suddenly a bunch of people in the audience who are plugged into the Fargo community say, we'll help. We think we can do incredible things here in our schools. We're energized. And what you said is something that I think other people want to hear. That was very validating. It actually made me increase my amount of commitment to going to all 50 states. I actually ended up hiring a team to plan all my visits. I, I, I probably quadrupled down in terms of the resources I put into it. And then, and I'm happy to elaborate, but then the event six weeks later in Fargo was an incredible success. <clears throat> we, we have a video of, of what happened, but we did a big screening of my film and then a big Q&A in the Fargo the main theater there. Oh, in the next, holds,
0: the next couple of days or did you go back? No, we,
1: we did it. We did I, I did the talk in late July and then I was back there in probably third week of September. So, you know, 7-8 weeks later, seven let's say 7 weeks later, but they organized in 7 weeks a huge community event. And so we had, you know, over 400 people come to the event to watch a film. We had superintendents and PTA members on a panel. We all sorts of amazing things happen. I, I gave that talk, and I'm walking back to the HODO. This is a really great, funky hotel in Fargo called Hotel Donaldson, which is, if anybody ever is thinking about going to Fargo, that's my recommendation. Okay, hotel great.
0: Donaldson. Perfect.
1: I'm walking back from that event in September, and I look at my my phone, and I've got this email from Kirsten Baszler. She's a, you know, they call her the superintendent of public instruction, but she basically heads up... North Dakota's Department of Education, she says, oh my gosh, I've gotten all these texts and emails tonight about your event in Fargo. She's in Bismarck, the state capital, which is three hours away. She says to me, any chance you could meet me tomorrow here in my office? No kidding. I, I, I was going to be driving west anyway. I said, sure. And that's led to this long, I've been to North Dakota now five times since that first trip. And I'm back there again June 8th. We're doing a big governor-sponsored Department of Public Instruction sponsored education summit, first of its kind in North Dakota, rallying people all across the state. I was back there, Mark, uh, I spent two weeks there, the last week of August, the first week of September. We did nine community forums across the state. Anything, if you look at Google's map, Google map, and you look at North Dakota, anything that's on there that's a name of a town, you were there. we did something there. And, but here's what's so amazing is not only was I there, They turned out for all of these events, one of the top two or three people from the following, the Department of Public Instruction, the Chamber of Commerce, the Teachers Union, the Parents and Teachers Association, and one and often two state legislators to say, we think we have a chance to really elevate learning outcomes for kids in all schools in North Dakota and put real energy behind it. They just passed uh, I could send you this. They've got a picture of the, the team that got the legislation passed, but they passed a bill, the Innovative Education Act in North Dakota just passed last week, letting schools apply for waivers to do more innovative things, you know, unanimously. which is a direct,
0: a direct line to what you did last fall.
1: I would, I would say m- what I did accelerated it. They, these, pe- you know, they have some very visionary people in North Dakota, They've been thinking about this and pushing Mm, for this for years. And so I'm just like the guy coming in from out of town that is saying things they've been saying. And sometimes somebody from out of town, particularly if I'm a a business guy with a great background. You know, my background was venture capital. You know, and so I was with a top tier firm. I was highly ranked. When somebody that knows the look and the shape and the feel of the economy going forward comes in and says, this is what we need to be doing in schools and this is what – some of these really visionary people in North Dakota have been advocating for. It's a, it's a great combination. And so they said, hey, you can help us. I say I definitely want to. And uh, you know, as I said, I've been back there I think five times. I'll be back there again in, in June. I just gave a big keynote for their, their annual STEAM event, you know, sure. science, technology, engineering, arts, and uh, um, math. Math. And yeah, yeah I, that's I, I okay. Make, that's okay. I was to say making. I think it'd be better as making or maybe we need to have a I double m.
0: I want to ask you um, cuz the the goal of a of TED is is ideas worth spreading. We know that. And the the idea of TEDx is for us to find voices that don't have a stage and give them a stage. And what Greg wants to do is It was very innovative. I mean, I just uh, go back and listen to that episode, everybody. The idea that when he says, what ideas do I need to curate for this year? He goes into the community, talks to the leadership, talks to everybody, says, what do we need here? And he found out is we need this discussion around education. So you, you have a, you have a fertile landscape to which to play. And, and then the stars line up just right. And then you, you show up, as we said, as an accelerant, um, and, and are able to rally everything. And as organizers, that's what we want. I mean, we want it's, it's not it. The talk is the beginning, not the end. And, for you, what a, what a phenomenal success for your idea to have it be so warmly embraced and then, uh, embraced in that community, which, you know, ev- again, everything was aligned. Now, m- the next question would be, um, has that talk found its, found a community, meaning, you know, it's gotten views and it's, it's taking hold
1: outside of fargo yeah well you know as i said i went to all 50 states i've got a point of presence everywhere and i was able to as we set up meetings you know when you're when you're from out of town and you're going to iowa or you're going to new mexico um you know people are busy right so if somebody calls and said hey this guy from out of town is coming will you meet with them you know most people's immediate answer is no And I don't blame them. That was, that's my immediate answer. And so we were able to point people to my talk and say, Mm. spend 12 minutes. This is what he believes. Would you be willing to meet with him? And so I think it played a really important role as I tried to spread this message broadly, but, but I, I think it's important to say, you know, there's this distinction between spreading versus change, which, you know, worth making real, right. And ideas are the start, but ideas don't change the world. You know, I mean we you know, you look no further than uh, you know, than the TED talk that Gore gave, you know, what is it, twelve years ago that turned into inconvenient truth. Yeah. Made a lot of people aware of climate change issues. Did it really change things? I would I would be probably more inclined to take the point of view that not much changed, it was different um as a result of that. It made a lot of people aware, but it didn't lead to concerted collaborative action. And um and so there's this there's this set of steps you need to take when you've got ideas about how a different world and then actually affecting change that makes that different world a reality. And so I think the opportunity, which is where a more an event like TEDx Fargo, which has has a bit more informality to it, hmm. is, is a great you know, laboratory for not just raising an idea that's important, but for actually taking steps to make it real.
0: I get the sense from Greg that he is leveraging that exact feeling that you had across a lot of different domains. Um, his, we, we, one of my questions I ask is, you know, what are you looking forward to most in your next event? He said, I'm going to pull all 150 of my alumni speakers back. But that, that's not the thing. The thing is setting up 50 meetings for all of them with, the appropriate kinds of people in the community, in the state level, in the, I mean, that, that's, you know, that's community activism led by ideas in a, in a very interesting way, besides it being informal and feeling very communal and hospitable. Was there anything about that TEDx that you felt was kind of unique and maybe unexpected?
1: Well, for me what was unexpected was how professional it was. You know, um, I mean I'm saying it's informal, but I mean, you know, they they the, the stage was beautiful, their post talk editing function was great. Everything about it was how they did it, I don't know, because they're not dealing with a, you know, 10 million dollar budget. They're right. they're doing it with a modest amount of local support. Yep. yep. But, you know, w- when you look at the production values, when you look at the speaker experience, when you look at was it just a blast to be in Fargo for that? all of those got super high marks for me. And, you know, to be honest, you know, I, like I got off the phone and, you know, with Greg six days before the event said to my wife, Hey, guess what I'm going to be doing? <laughs> I, I had no idea. I I'd never, it was the one state out of 50 States. It was the one state I'd never been to North Oh Dakota. my goodness. So I said, okay, You know, if nothing else I will have completed, you know, my, you know, and then of course I, a school year later, I went to all 50 States again, you know, from, from scratch. But, um, you know, but I didn't really know what to expect. And you realize, uh, the money isn't always the answer, right? That local passion, correct. That people just committed to putting on something that's world-class that, that has the, the real potential of transforming a community, you know, that, that those people can often pull off miracles that, that if you just dumped $5 million on them, it might be not even, you know, half as good. So that's absolutely surprised me. And, uh, you know, and then I got to know some of the speakers. I've stayed in touch with one of the, there was this great second grade teacher that was on the agenda as well, Kayla Delzer. And she's become a great friend and I'm a huge fan of what she's doing. You'll see her in this short video that, that my team did when I came back. But, but you meet these people who are unbelievably innovative and compelling beyond words. And, and you're in the same basic, you know, uh, Challenging set of circumstances. We're all like nervously pacing around because mm-hmm. we're about to go on stage <laughs> with the camera running And we don't have the luxury at a TEDx which I think is actually a plus. I mean when I was at the TED event They they would often you know, and you've been there way more, you know, you, you're a veteran But people would in a kind of an eerie way if they fumbled a word they'd back up and and restart You know a paragraph before because the goal of TED I think is to to post-editing have something flawless well, you don't have that luxury at TEDx, which I think actually is a plus because it gives a dimension to it that's really that much more powerful. And, um, and so, you know, so you've got to you, you, there's a nervousness to it. You don't know that you're going to be corrected and, and have it all work out, you know, in the post editing room. So, uh, but you know, when you're talking to these people and there, there are just so many interesting people there that you, you know, you feel this bond in this community that, that to me has been a really important source of my own personal inspiration for what I'm doing
0: when, and you've been back there five times. So, um, you know, yeah. it's, it, that's not, you know, that's not sense. I mean, that everything, again, everything conspired, uh, for success. So it's, I'm going to go back. It's six weeks out. You've watched Ted talks. Um, you, you have, you, you kind of know the bar is way up there. Um, you, you don't write. Okay. Everybody, I'm not advocating any of this, but, um, you don't write it down. <laughs> uh but you did go and walk and talk to yourself so there is an inner dialogue so you're kind of going through that and you're you know you're a professional person you you've spoken before and you understand what you're trying to do and you also understand the nuance of the 12 minutes right so it's you're not there to talk about yourself it's you're there to talk about the idea what what was an Unexpe- I like to talk about dragons. I like dragons in our life, like the 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 challenge, the struggle, the drama, the all of that. Was there a dragon you didn't expect?
1: uh you don't know. I'm, uh, it's a great question. So, pardon me for having to give this some thought. Um, I I would say um, I expected to be really nervous, and I wasn't, so that's good news. I expected not to to really find Fargo to be a blast. And it was, so most of my surprises were on the upside. Um, and you know, I didn't know what it would look like post-production or I thought maybe it would take six months, eight months, 12 months. They turned it around really quickly because they knew I was coming back. I think that that helped. But, But when I saw them, when I, when I saw the first, you know, I didn't weigh in on the editing process. I just sort of watched it, but I was sort of blown away by that. And, um, You know, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, I think one of the dragons is, um, you know, you get used to. So so a guy that's given a great talk on education on Ted is Ken Robinson. Of course. Unbelievably fun, amazing talk. I've watched it a lot of times. Many people have. Yeah. I think one of the things when you do a talk like this, um, you know, you always hope that, boom, it'll come out and three weeks later, 40 million people will have seen it. (laughs) You know, it's like, because of course, that's how these things work. You know, I'm just going to give a talk and everybody's going to be so blown away that they will, they will make their very top priority for the next month to be getting as many friends to watch it who will then do the same thing and boom, in no time. And, you know, mine, mine's been, it's actually accelerating, which is good, but I'm still at a relatively modest number of, of watches for this. And, uh, you know, and, and so you, there's that fear, right? There's that fear you have that if this isn't. A forty million view TED talk have you somehow underperformed and I think we all have that feeling we all want a lot of people to see it we want it to spread virally you know very few things do and I think one of the lessons for me out of this is that it's not really how many people watch it it's it's having the right people watch it right you know if if I can get somebody in let's say that that um, you know I were coming to Santa Barbara where you are um you know, to do a talk. If I can get a few people to watch this in Santa Barbara, who then say maybe we won't get a lot of the people in Santa Barbara community to watch his talk, but it's sure as heck worth promoting this guy's being here and to to turn out some people. That's a really great accomplishment. And so, so if there's a dragon, I would say it's that that fear of failure we all have, mm, right? Mm. In a world that is obsessed with numbers and metrics, and if you have a TED talk that a million people haven't watched, will the, the next person to look at it say, I oh, it can't be that great. A million people haven't watched it. And so, um, i I will never, I don't think on that talk get to a million people. But, um, as I say, I've sort of had it helped me readjust my thinking about it's not bulk numbers maybe, but it's who, and is it playing a strategic role in trying to help me accomplish goals that I passionately believe are really important. Um, I think it's, it's, Doing really well on those fronts,
0: and and the measure of success is uh, the uh, the change indicator, right? You, t- you said you're an education change agent, so for you, success is to, can you is there measurable, visible change, and that's happening. I mean, that's happening yeah. writ large at the state level there, and and you don't even know what's happening. You probably need to do another fifty state tour and check everybody's temperature and see how how they're doing. I want to ask. During the process, let's go, I'm going to go back to the TEDx experience itself and in the 48 hours leading up to it and, and all of that, was there a way you were treated or was there a lesson you learned about that? Because you've done a lot of public speaking, so you've been in that environment before. Was But there, was there something you learned from that that was uniquely related to being on a TED stage?
1: Well, I, I talked about the path that got me there, right? So I'm on the phone with this organizer whose yeah. local reputation is on the line. You know, he spent maybe 20 minutes with me on the phone. That's how well Greg knows me. <laughs> he gets his, he gets his email from Tom Byers out at Stanford who cancels. And, and in a way that's just outside of the box and innovative, Greg Tavine says, hey, I just got this email. We have an open spot. The best way I can help you plug into what's going on in education in North Dakota. Can you rearrange your schedule and be here in six days? Now that is not normal thinking, right? I mean, that is a guy that's got some, some real courage behind a decision, right? So I could have gone there and drooled on the stage. You know, he, he knows I'm not going to have much time to rehearse it. He knows right, right. I'm not going to be able to track down. It. He's not going to hear a practice talk. You know, he, he's like hanging out there and if I lay a, a bomb in his event, if I really bomb and don't do well in his event, his reputation takes a hit. Yeah. And so to me, it was like, whoa, isn't this really interesting that this guy who wants his community to be so innovative, to take safe chances on things to move ahead, is willing to eat his own dog food. He's willing to do the same thing himself and take a flyer on this guy that's, you know, sitting in a in, you know, in a house, you know, in Rhode Island talking on the phone and just say, hey. Can you be here? It's, you know, no notice, but, you know, can you be here? We'll put you on the, on the agenda. Uh, stay at the Hodo. That's, that was, the, you know, like the advice. And I think you'll meet some people you find really interesting. And so mm. he trusted me. I trusted him. We took a flyer on something with no real due diligence or validation. And You know, he didn't say, which he could easily have done, do a trial talk, send it to me, I'll consider it. You know, if he had done that, I would have said, hey, I've got this other event in New York City I'm committed to. Uh, Thanks, but no thanks. And maybe it would have never happened. But he he was just like, he He had some instincts that said this can't Mm -hmm. be too bad. Mm -hmm. I had some instincts that said this probably could be really interesting. We both took some chances. We both extended some trust. And boom, you know, six days later, I'm up on that stage. And I don't I don't think he was embarrassed. I think he was really excited by how it went and i think i fit right in with it was so funny but i'm i was one of several people talking about the future of school the rest were all people in and around the fargo community like kayla i mentioned mm, mm. Uh, they gave great talks you know like their talks were awesome but um but having somebody fly in from out of town who reinforced that sort of gave a sense of like this isn't just a local set of outliers there's some real credibility to this idea that we need to completely reimagine school. Which, which, yes, you're right.
0: We absolutely have to do that. I, I love that. Are you familiar with Ted Ed and the Ted Ed clubs and Ted youth and all of that? Cause I, I would think that you're,
1: you're a natural in that world as well. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. I, I know Logan Smalley there really oh, yeah. well, who produced a documentary himself when he was in college. And so, um, yeah there's just a real potential here for video to reach into more and more kids lives in K through 12 which today is largely isolated it's largely you know these kids today are going to communicate far more by By video than they will by written essays with footnotes. Right, right. (laughs) But where do we put our emphasis in school? You know, like you you didn't you you made this one modest mistake relative to the MLS style sheet B (laughs) minus. You know, it's like, you know, or 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 Mark, think about this, right? Think about how important it is for every adult to be at least a fairly confident, effective public speaker. Right. You know, huge life skill. Right. And I somehow survived and ended up being, you know, reasonable on that dimension. But it was definitely not through any, you know, there was never a course. You know, I was in school right. a long time. Right. I was in graduate yeah. school a long time. There was never a course on public speaking. Why not, right? You know, what, why would we put more priority over chemistry than public speaking? That's a question I think people in the school area need to answer. Because not, to, not to pick on chemistry, but there's a whole lot of stuff. In the curriculum, the kids will spend a year working hard on that. Maybe point one percent of adults ever use, and and what gets lost in the shuffle is something like public speaking,
0: yeah, just know. communication in general. How to how to craft uh, an argument, how to craft a yes. point of view, um, all of those things. Given your experience, and again, not advocating that we you know because we spend a lot of time as organizers curating. All of it, right? And we hope it all happens as it happened with you. Is there a, a piece of advice you would give to other speakers, not to organizers, but to other speakers, and to maybe um, a tip or a trick or something like that that you think would be helpful to them?
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny, but my whole journey on this the issue around reimagining the education started with organizing and funding a documentary. And uh, this will sound like a detour, but it's not. When I called the guy that ended up directing it, who's a brilliant filmmaker, Greg Whiteley, um, and the film was most likely to succeed. So Google it if you want to learn more. It's really incredible. Uh, Sundance, AFI Tribeca, just a fistful of awards. When I called Greg, I said, oh, I've got this great idea for a documentary. And I mentioned the logical points and the speakers that would say these points. And I said, this will be a really compelling argument. People will watch it. They'll love it. And Greg said to me, not only will I not make that film, but if somebody does, you will regret it. He said, the way you get to people is through story. That's right. You need to have something people relate to emotionally. And if you don't do that, all the logic in the world will not change people's thinking. And so I carry that board to my talk. And my talk is largely around my personal journey and experiences that, that happened with my own kids in elementary school and middle school and how it caused me to step back and go from trusting the school experience to questioning it to feeling that we need to sound alarm bells. And so I think the power of that talk was not in, you know, a lot of facts and data and comparing us internationally and a whole bunch of other data that honestly is lost in the weeds and people don't care about that often is misguided. But, But to tell your story, to make your point, give your talk, in the context of personal stories that move you and try to do it in a way that moves your audience.
0: Um, you, you could drop the mic right there because that's, ex- you're exactly right. We are, we, I think storytelling has, is enjoying a renaissance right now. Um, we've been telling stories for as long as we've had campfires um, and, but you, as you so rightfully, you took his advice You incorporated that advice and you have a success on your hands as a result of that. It is so that the audience sees themselves in your story. They become connected emotionally to you, emotionally invested in you. Uh, you're not reasoning with their, the right brain. (laughs) You know, you're, you're, we can go Google all that. I want to hear how it affected you and why are you so passionate? Why are you traveling to 50 states around the world? Why are you the guy who's bringing this message? And, and you may not even know why you're the guy, but guess what? You're the guy and you, you get to tell that story. And listener, he just broke into a great big smile. I wish I had that on video. Um, but the, it, it is about the personal story. I want to, I want to end with, um, the show's called hacking the red circle. And so I'm always thinking about um, what the hack is, right? And like, how do we, you know, when I, with Greg, it was, you know, how do you create what looks to be a million dollar event for probably less than a hundred grand? You know, I mean, I don't think his budget was much more than that. It might've been, but it was probably in that neighborhood. And how do we do that? So what's, what's the hack that you have for, (laughs) How you get on the TED stage in six days and have the confidence and have the, I mean, have all this goodness that has happened, which is what we want. What's that 10 words or
1: less hack? Uh, 10 words or less. Um,
0: no, I'm not making yeah, it easy if, for you.
1: Yeah, no, you're not. No, but but a bold approach to the right venue, right? I mean, you know, any of us that have, have things we believe passionately in that are important for people to be aware of we could all sit around and wait forever for, for the big Ted event to call us and say, would you come here and, you know, and give a talk? You know, that just doesn't happen. Right. You right, know, like they're right. swamped. They have a million people. I don't understand their criteria, but they have their criteria. And, you know, if I had just waited around forever, I, you know, I still wouldn't have any kind of a talk. And so I say, it's, it's not the gross numbers that watch it. It's the who. And so, I would I would encourage people if you've got a message if you're really motivated to benefit from the lift that a TED or TEDx can give you you're way more way more likely to succeed if you do your homework find the TEDxes that are in communities that will resonate with your message some of these TEDxes have themes that will resonate with mm-hmm, your message mm-hmm. do your homework find the right forum and pitch your guts out to them and say you know just to, just you know take a chance on me but i think i will really deliver comments i'll give a talk that your community will love because the bar to getting into some of these tedx talks they're all high i mean they all do really great work yeah but but if you wait around for vancouver if you wait around for the the the, the big ted in the sky <laughs> you may go to your grave right and never have given your ted talk and you know it's what's so compelling about ted ed right getting these kids in school mm, to give mm, their mm, own mm, ted mm. so so I would say hacking the Red Circle is it's not one red circle. There there are red circles all over the country, all around the world. And look at look at those and look at those events and the themes they, they carry out. Some believe in certain things more than others. And also look at how what you're saying resonates with certain communities, because it it will. Santa Barbara has a distinctive profile of interest, different from Fargo, different yep, from Seattle, yep, yep. yeah, different from and so so you know, I, I say the same thing to to young adults leaving school with w- getting a job. I tell you, know, like, you'll never get a job applying. You, you get a job by finding organizations you believe in and convincing them you have something to offer. And, and you will go from the bottom or the middle of the resume list to the very top. If you think outside of the box and you're bold in terms of making your case, I'd say the same to anybody aspiring to give a great TEDx talk. Find the venue that will resonate. And pitch your guts out, and you know what? If you're really compelling and pitching your guts out, you're going to be. They're going to say, "Hey, they convinced me. They're going to convince my audience. I, yeah, I'm going to exactly. be happy with, with featuring them." And you know, and you may not give just one in your life. You may give several. Um, you know, I will pitch my guts out to Greg Tavine to give another TEDx Fargo talk. <laughs> you know, next year, saying, "Here's what a TEDx Fargo, you know, like the meta talk. Here's yeah, how a TEDx yeah. Fargo could change your life." And Greg may say no. You know, which is okay, Right. But but I I think being proactive and strategic instead of waiting for the phone call or waiting for the right email to come in, because, you know, they 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 all want great events. They all want this event to change their community. They're looking for fresh voices. Don't don't make them entirely responsible for finding you. Help them make that connection.
0: Ted, I love that. I want to, I, I want to end it right there because that, that's just so good. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I, I just, I, I'm going to uh, watch the film. I'm going to watch the documentary. I'll find all of that. I'll post that in the show notes for you listeners. So you don't have to go burn any calories doing that. We'll take care of that for you. And the next time I'm out walking for 12 minutes, I'll think if I've got a Ted talk inside my head. Thank you so you much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Mark. And thanks for all you're doing.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? Just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.